Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft. The world is full of unseen forces. Let me be your guide as we lift the veil and peer into the face of the unknown. This is the major as well. You're one of one guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Hey majors, thank you for tuning in. And this week, we've got the infamous sorceress, Medea. Now, there are multiple stories and versions of Medea's life. I've read a lot of them, and I've compiled them as best I could, and added in details that I liked. Therefore, it may or may not differ from some of the versions that you've heard. I've also added in some details from a modern retelling by Sarah Grochala. It doesn't change the story hugely, but there's some nice details that pad it out and fill in some gaps. There's also a trigger warning in that I talk about violence and infanticide. Now, meaning to think, or to plan, Medea is the daughter of King Aetes of Colchis, who I mentioned in the Taurus episode. Now, he is the brother of Kirky, who I've also done an episode on, You don't need to have listened to these episodes before you do this one, but it might be useful for context. And her grandfather is Helios, the sun god. Medea's mother was an Oceanid called Idaia. An Oceanid is a goddess nymph. There's about 3,000 of them, and they live in fresh water. That was a lot of info regarding family trees, and if you're anything like me, you're confused. Quick recap, Medea's father, King Aetes of Colchis, her mother is the Oceanid called Idaia, her aunt is Kirke, and her grandfather is Helios. She has other family members, but that will do for now. Medea is also a powerful user of magic and a priestess to Hecate, and some sources say that she learned her magical abilities from her aunt Kirke. Medea appears in Jason and the Argonauts when they land in Colchis, her father's kingdom. Jason is there on a quest to claim the Golden Fleece. His evil uncle, King Peleus, has stolen the throne from Jason's father. 
King Peleus has given Jason the task of obtaining the Golden Fleece, and in return, Peleus will give the throne to Jason, who is the rightful ruler. Now Peleus has upset Hera, and he has offended her greatly. It turns out that as a younger man, he actually killed his stepmother in Hera's temple, and she's been a bit miffed ever since. But Hera has a plan. Medea sees Jason as he enters her father's court, and instantly falls in love with him. But only because Hera weaves some magic over her with the help of Aphrodite and Eros. Jason's task of obtaining the fleece isn't going to be easy. Medea's father is a greedy man, and has also received a prophecy from Ares, the god of war, that if the golden fleece ever leaves the kingdom of Colchis, it will fall into ruin. So Medea promises to help Jason, on the grounds that he must take her with him when he leaves Colchis. King Aetes says he'll give the fleece to Jason if he can complete two tasks. But as we'll see, it's really Medea who completes the tasks. So, for the first one, Jason has to attach a plough to a pair of fire-breathing bulls, and then plough a field. But Medea gives Jason an ointment to protect him from the flames, and Jason completes this task without a problem. For the second task, the king gives Jason some dragon's teeth, and tells him to sow it in the field that he's just ploughed. Medea warns that soldiers called the Spartoi will grow from the teeth and will kill him. She solves this problem by telling him to throw a rock amongst them. They won't know who threw it, and will start fighting each other, so he does that and that's that task finished. Now, King Aetes at this point is annoyed. He's annoyed that Jason has completed the tasks and he actually refuses to give him his prize. He also threatens to massacre Jason's crew and to burn Jason's ship. Now, Medea takes Jason to the grove where the fleece is kept, but there's also a dragon that guards the fleece, and it's a dragon that is sleepless. She gives Jason some herbs to feed to the dragon, so it falls asleep, but in some versions she chants some magic words and the dragon falls asleep. Either way, the dragon falls asleep, and Jason is able to kill it, and they take the fleece. Now, Aetes is furious at this point, and Jason and Medea flee by sailing away, but Aetes calls his fleet together to start pursuing them. Now his fleet is much faster than Jason's ship, the Argo, so Medea has a plan. Now, Medea's brother is either on board because he was fleeing with them, or he was tricked aboard the Argo. To slow down her father, Medea kills her brother, though in some versions it's Jason who does the killing. Now she cuts up his body, and throws the bits overboard. Grief-stricken, King Aetes stops his boats to gather the boy's body parts so he can give his son a proper burial. He prays to Zeus to curse them, and Zeus does so and throws their ship off course. They land on the island of Aiaia, the island where Kirki has been exiled. Namadea has committed a great sin in killing her brother, so she asks Kirke if she can absolve Medea's crime. So Kirke does this, and that's that, they sail off. Although in some versions, Kirke is so distraught over the news of her nephew's death that she sends them away, she cannot deal with them. They then find themselves on the island of Crete, which don't forget the mechanical giant Talos guards it. You might remember him from the Taurus episode, basically Zeus gifted him to Europa so he could protect her. Natala starts attacking Jason and his crew. It's Medea, however, who defeats him. 
Natalos has a single vein in his body that was capped by a nail. Medea manages to remove the nail by casting a spell and causing a landslide that knocks the nail, causing him to bleed out and to die. It was also on Crete that they found Jason's father, or uncle in some versions. He was very old and very ill when they found him. Jason asks Medea to help. She disappears onto a chariot drawn by dragons for nine days and nine nights, and she's off in the wilderness collecting herbs and items that she needs. After offering sacrifices to Hecate, she's then ready. She used some of the herbs to put Jason's uncle or father into a deep sleep. She then drains his blood, cuts him up, and places him in a cauldron, and boils him in the rest of the herbs. And then he emerges from this cauldron, 40 years younger. Dermatologist hater. They then stop off on an island called Drepen, and Jason and Medea get married. There's huge celebrations. And they lay the golden fleece over their wedding bed. Oh my. Finally, they reach Iolcus, Jason's home. And also, they return to King Peleus, who is refusing to give Jason's throne back. It also turns out that he's murdered Jason's father and whole family. Jason's furious, he wants to attack the city. However, it's Medea who stops him and says she can take it just by herself. They'll know she's been successful when they see torches burning on the palace roof. Now Medea approaches the city gates and transforms herself into an old hag. She's carrying with her the statue of Artemis, the goddess of the hunt. She announces to the guards on the gate that Artemis wishes to reward Peleus for his piety. She gets through the gates and into the palace. Now Peleus is an old man with no sons. She told him that Artemis has taken pity on him and wishes to make him young again so she can give him a chance at having male heirs. He's naturally dubious, so Medea transforms herself back into a young woman. Next, she takes an old ram, and she cuts it into 13 pieces, puts it in a cauldron, and then applies herbs to the cauldron. She plunges her hand into the boiling water and pulls out the young ram. Peleus wants in, and lies down on the couch, where Medea charms him to sleep. She gives his daughters knives and instructs them what to do. They chop Peleus into 13 pieces and throw him into the cauldron. Next, Medea tells them to run up to the roof with the torches and to invoke the power of the moon. This is the signal that Jason and his crew have been waiting to enter the city. The daughters return to the pot and peer inside to only find the bloody pieces of Peleus floating around in the boiling mixture. It didn't work and it dawns on them that they've just murdered their own father. Hera's revenge on Peleus for killing his stepmother in her temple is finally complete. She orchestrated this whole plan to get Medea to indirectly kill him. But Medea's story doesn't end here. Now the death of Peleus doesn't go down well with the people of Iolcus, and another ruler is reinstated and passes judgement on the whole affair. Now Medea isn't held responsible for the death, so she can't be punished, but she is exiled along with Jason. Medea is increasingly seen as a foreign murderous witch, and I've said this in previous episodes, Colchis was a very strange place to the Greeks, and they saw it as barbarian territory. Now while fleeing, they cross through Thessaly, where Medea's herb bag broke open 
and the seeds of her magical herbs were scattered across the land. As a result, Thessaly became an area of Greece that became heavily associated with witchcraft and spells around drawing down the moon. I think I spoke about this back in the New Moon episode, and so much so that it became known as the Land of the Witches. They moved to Corinth, a city that Medea's father used to rule, and she claims ownership of the throne, and the people welcome her with open arms. And they settle down and they have two sons. The years pass, things are ticking along nicely, but over time Jason grows restless. He's dissatisfied, and he's dissatisfied with her. He gave up his throne for her, and he's eager to taste power and glory once again. The king of Thebes, Creon, hears about Jason, and offers his daughter's hand in marriage. The daughter is called Glauche. I, I know I've pronounced that wrong, I really struggled to find like an authentic Greek pronunciation, but it's the closest I could find, just as a side note. Now Jason tells Medea that he's fulfilled his duty by bearing legitimate children and he's leaving her, and that's that. And when he says he's leaving, he means she has to leave. Medea says the throne is hers, but Jason responds that the people of Corinth prefer him as their leader. She has to leave. Medea finally agrees, but she's pretending, because our girl Medea, she's cooking up a plan. In other versions, it's King Creon who rules Corinth, and Medea and Jason are just citizens of the city. And the other details are still the same, Jason tells Medea that he's going to marry into the Corinthian royal family by marrying Creon's daughter. But to add insult to injury, it's Creon that visits Medea and tells her she's exiled. He's worried about the threat she poses to his daughter. She cries and she begs for one more day in the city just to sort everything out. He grants it to her and Medea gets to work. Either way, she's working on a potion and she covers a beautiful robe in it and sends it as a wedding gift to Glauche. Glauche, in delight, tries it on and instantly screams out in agony. The robe is laced with deadly poison. Quote from the play Medea by Euripides. Her flesh dripped from her bones like sap from pine because of the unseen jaws of the poison. Now her father, the king, is horrified and in his attempt to help her out, he also comes into contact with the poison and he dies a horrific death as well. Jason heads back to Medea, knowing full well what's gone down, and as he reaches the house, Medea kills their children, and takes off in a golden chariot sent by her grandfather, Helios, and it's pulled by two dragons that Medea has summoned. Now I'm a Scorpio, revenge is in my CV, shall we say, but Medea's brand of revenge is next level, like... Yo. In other versions, it says that she accidentally kills her children in an attempt to make them immortal, or the citizens of Corinth kill them at the Temple of Hera for her murdering their princess. There's different versions that give different twists on this. And then there's also different versions of what happens next. She crops up in Thebes and heals Heracles from a curse that Hera has placed on him. Or she goes to Athens and marries the king there called Aegis. Now Aegis is after a son, and Medea promises him one, and they call him Medus. Things tick along nicely until the lost son of Aegis, Theseus, appears. Father and son don't recognise each other at first, 
However, Medea realises. She worries that her son won't take the throne, and so she tries to kill Theseus by slipping poison into his drink. Aegis realises who Theseus is, and knocks over his poison cup before he has a chance to drink it. Again, there's disagreement over what happened next. A version says she went to Iran and lived with the locals who changed their name to the Medes in honour of her. Others say she returned to her homeland, where she found her uncle had stolen the throne from her father. Angry, she kills him and reinstalls her father, where, once he died, her son Medus came into power. Some sources say that Medea was immortalised, as a reward by Hera, after she refused Zeus's advances. She then went to Hades and married Achilles, and they lived together in the Elysian fields. And Jason? He ended up as a washed-up hero clinging onto the past. He went back to his old ship, the Argo, rotting and decaying in the harbour to relive his memories, where the dilapidated boat collapsed and killed him. I really don't have a lot of time for Jason, to be honest. Now, Medea has remained a popular figure throughout the ages, and today is seen as a feminist icon. But this hasn't always been the case. She's been portrayed as an evil, murdering witch throughout history, and history's taken a very unkind view towards her. Her story balances perfectly on the ideas of victimhood and empowerment. Her magic is neither good or evil, but a mixture of both. Recent research in the area of infanticide shows that women can kill their children as an act of revenge against their father. This is even more probable if those children are male. And it's also not surprising that Jason abandons her like he did. This happens often within Greek and Roman myth, as it was seen as virtuous in these cultures to choose duty and power over love. It's also worth mentioning that often within Greek mythology, princesses defying their fathers usually end up dead one way or another. However, Medea completely breaks this mould. She very much writes her own destiny, and doesn't allow people to put her in a corner. Medea's position as a woman greatly capped her abilities, and she was somewhat trapped in her station by societal views. She lay on the fringes of society, both powerful and powerless. Within the variations of the myths around her, men fear her, they don't like her, and she's seen as a barbarian. She was surrounded by men that she was more intelligent, capable, and resourceful than. Medea was greater than a mortal, but not quite a god, a position that other men in Greek mythology occupied, and it was a position that made them great. In Medea's case, it made her a monster. The fact that she was able to provide sleep and cures is also something to highlight because these talents were seen as a divine privilege and were gifted by gods to mortals. The part where she drops her seeds over Thessaly. It implies that women's herbal knowledge was imported to Greece from Asia Minor, that was ignored, branded as foreign, and then demonised as witchcraft. Given that she's quite physical in her approach to the problems she faces, further alienated her from society. Physical actions were seen as a male domain. Christine de Pisan was a writer in the Middle Ages, born 1346 and died 1430. She was a French poet and a feminist writer. Her writing was quite revolutionary, and one of her texts even praised Joan of Arc. Her text called La Cite de Dame is considered to be the first feminist text ever written. 
Now, why I mention her here is because she took a different approach to her fellow male writers, in that she portrayed Medea in a positive light, and described her as a great magician, and didn't mention her killing her brother or plotting Peleus' death. She also pointed out that it's down to Medea that Jason obtained the fleece, and valid. Now, Euripides wrote the play Medea in 1431 BC. This was during the time where Athenian women were expected to keep from the public eye, and only travel outside for essential business. Medea defies this seclusion, and it would have greatly shocked an Athenian audience, making it easier for them to label her an evil witch. There's also some scholars that suggest Medea was a pre-patriarchal goddess, who became associated with evil as a way to tarnish her name and to take away her power and credibility, so something else could fill the vacuum she left behind. A quote from Joseph Campbell's book, The Mask of God, explains this more clearly, and I've cut a bit out of it for clarity. Quote, It consists simply in terming the gods of other people demons, and then inventing all sorts of great and little secondary myths, to validate not only a new social order, but also a new psychology. We even have written accounts alluding to her divine status. Herodotus called Medea the great goddess of the Aryan tribes of Parthia, and Pliny described her magic as controlling the sun, moon, and stars, big powers for a mere mortal. Within Ovid's retelling of the myth of Medea, he lists her powers and so great and vast are they, that it's surprising they were attributed to a mortal, and not a goddess. So we have these suggestions that she was a goddess, but how would we learn more about her divinity if her history has been completely rewritten? Well, we look at the echoes within her mythology. Some sources suggested that Hecate is her mother, leading them to interpret Medea as some sort of intermediary between the sun, who is her grandfather Helios, and the moon with Hecate. She symbolises light turning dark and vice versa, as well as birth, death and rebirth. There's also debate about who sent Medea's chariot. Seneca's version of Medea indicates that Hecate actually sent the chariot pulled by dragons. And just as the sun was pulled through the sky on the chariot, so was the moon. And it was also Hecate who had a heavy association to serpents. Helios, on the other hand, his chariot was drawn by bulls or horses, so Medea's chariot being pulled by snakes or serpents fits more in line with Hecate. One of Medea's other powers is being able to charm snakes. She also deals with the dragon guarding the fleece. Now, from the healing episode, we know snakes are connected to the underworld, healing, rebirth, and feminine energy. The origins of her name come from the Sanskrit Medha, meaning female wisdom, and it's the source of the word medicine. We know she's skilled with plants, which aids in her skills of regeneration. Now, both these attributes, this idea of female wisdom and medicine and this skill of plants, it links her back to Hecate. This idea of regeneration is also interesting. It takes place in a cauldron. Now, the Greeks at this time believed that the sun, at the end of the day, went into a cauldron, where it rejuvenated for the next morning. Again, we have this link of birth, death, and rebirth. 
Also, this idea of being cut up could be related to shamanism. Potential initiates must have an initiation vision or a dream where they see themselves cut up into pieces and reassembled. It's upon reassembly that they gain their shamanic powers. Perhaps Medea was also some sort of divine shamanic initiator. And with this idea of shamanism in Pindar's version of the myth, not only does Jason have to bring back the golden fleece, but also the soul of Phrixus. And Phrixus was the guy who escaped his evil stepmother with his sister in the Ares episode. He essentially brought the golden fleece to Colchis. Now, King Aetes has trapped Phrixus's soul there, Showing that Aetes has a connection to the dead, as does his daughter, it casts the Argonauts' journey in a different light, and it also hints that they're travelling to the netherworld. Also, a little side note, an asteroid has been named after Medea, and supposedly when prominent in a birth chart, it represents the need to study herbalism, witchcraft, and magical rituals. Another side note. In 2007, a statue of Medea was erected in Batumi, Georgia, ancient Colchis. She was described by the mayor as, quote, the person who brought Georgia closer to Europe. Defiantly carrying the fleece in her hand, she watches over the city. And I've included a picture of it on my Instagram, like the statue is beautiful. It's kind of got Lady Liberty vibes, but not quite, like, it's strange, check it out. Medea can be worked with as a spirit and as a goddess. If the idea of working with her intimidates you or scares you, then she's not for you. Sit this one out. If, however, you feel compelled and drawn to her, she would be great to work with in terms of shadow work, healing, rebirth, and this fiery passion. And you could also work with her around this idea of initiation and being in a corner. She's got this connection to serpents, I'd be tempted to also burn the resin dragon's blood and work with fire in some way, but be careful here. It was largely down to Euripides and his play Medea that's responsible for how we see her today. It was his vision that brought about the idea that Medea killed her children. Prior to that, there were versions where I mentioned that Hera made them immortal, or Creon's family killed them, or that Medea accidentally killed them by trying to make them immortal. This idea of Medea being a vengeful, murdering evil witch was started by the playwright, and it's persisted till this very day, and undoubtedly cast a shadow over witchcraft, but also women who dared to defy their station. Was she an ancient goddess that fell from grace as a result of a new social order forming? Was Medea one of the first building blocks to falsely highlight how terrible and awful witches are? I'll let you decide. And majors, that's it. That's a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path and to talk about interesting parts of history relating to spirituality. I also want to connect you with information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me and encourage me in creating more episodes? With your support, I can give the podcast more time and create more quality content. You can support me through Patreon 
and gain access to exclusive content and be part of the Mages Well community, as well as being in the communal sugar pot spell. The link is in the episode description. You could also support me by following my Instagram at the Mages Well, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and telling your friends about the show. Please get in touch with anything you wish to share at themajorswell at gmail.com and you may just get featured. A big thank you to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork. Peace out, witches. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 